Friday evening, I had the privilege of going out to Eagle Crest. I, I had been invited by the Gideons International, uh, an organization that we actually, uh, our missions team actually um, supports and has, uh, has supported for many, many years. And because we support them, they reached out to the pastors and said, we'd like to thank you for doing all that you do. And so we are inviting you to a, a special pastor's appreciation banquet. Well, uh, before, uh, before that happened, I was able to talk on the phone with a gentleman who, since he was going to be in the area anyway, they thought that this would be a good weekend to do a go moment. Now, many of you know what a go moment is. It's a global outreach moment. Instead of having necessarily one day where we focus our entire service on our missions um, that, that we support at, at, here at Palo Butte, that we would once a month highlight one of our ministries for about five to seven minutes in our service and just let you know uh, and be encouraged by how God is working through that uh, mission and uh, our church and the resources that we give for that. Well, the, the go moment was going to then be a go moment for the Gideons International since they were going to be in town anyway. And I thought that they were going to be in town just for the pastor's um, appreciation dinner. I thought that was really cool. Once I got there, I realized it was way bigger than that. It was actually a, a full conference of the Oregon and uh, Iowa, um, Idaho um, uh, groups that were getting together for their annual conference, and it was a big deal. And uh, the, the uh, appreciation dinner was just one part of it. And when I said, well, I'm looking for John um, Rotuno, they said, oh, okay, because John was going to be our, our go moment today. They, they led me all the way up to the front to this big old table that says reserved, and, and they sat me down in this table that I knew that they were not prepared for me. There were some other speakers that were speaking that night, some ladies from the uh, Gideon's Auxiliary, and there was, there was John and his wife Debbie, and I realized I'm at the big boy table now. And, uh, and I looked around, and I thought, this is, uh, how blessed are we that we would have this guy that was kind of high up in the Gideon's International Ministry come and hang out with us on a Sunday morning? I was very excited about that. And then after having talked with John over the phone uh, the, the previous week, he and I got to meet each other face to face, and I got to let you know, I have a new friend. I've got a new friend. Well, what a delightful time it was to sit there with, with Debbie and with John and just to hear their hearts, their testimony about how they were saved, how they uh, came to, to be a part of the Gideons ministry. And as I was doing that, I've known about the Gideons International for a long, long time. You probably have too. If you've gone to a motel or a hotel and you've opened up the drawer because you're curious, you see, oh, do they have a phone book? Do they have a menu of a, a restaurant nearby? What, what's there? There's a Bible. There's a Bible. And it says placed here by the Gideons International. And they, they have this circle with a, a clay pot and a little flame coming out of it. So I knew about them and I know about Gideon. I, I've studied the Bible. I know about the Old Testament story of Gideon, one of the judges that God would use to deliver his people from the, the hands of the foreign nations. Um, and, and so I, I was starting to think, though, for the first time in my life, why would a, an organization that is all about sharing the gospel and placing God's word in various locations around the globe, why would they sail their ship under the banner of Gideon? What was it about Gideon 
this guy who was a nobody, who didn't go into hotels, by the way, I, I, found, I, I read that again, Gideon didn't go into hotels and put God's word there, uh, but he had been called by God to do something extraordinary. And once I realized the character of Gideon was a man who was humble, came from humble beginnings, did not think more highly of himself than he ought, and God said, I'm going to use you to deliver my people. At that point, I began to struggle with God because, God, I, I have my sermon ready for Luke chapter 12. And God goes, yeah, let's not do that on Sunday. I go, whoa, 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 this is Friday night. Well, and then I was really, really busy on Saturday. So Saturday night, I try to write another sermon. No, that was taken away from me. I, I put, the, I put the, uh, the, the computer away. I said, God, this isn't working. I don't know what I'm supposed to do um, uh, on <laughs> tomorrow, right? Uh, and, uh, and then this morning, I woke up about 5 o'clock, and I came down to the church and tried to write another sermon. And God kept saying, no, you, you're not going to do that. I said, but what am I, what am I supposed to do? He said, I, I, I want you to talk about Gideon as you bring John up. In the book of Judges, um, Judges is basically a, a, a series of on-again, off-again relationships between God's people and God. They, um, they began to do what was right in their own eyes. And because of that, you can imagine that their culture began to stray far from God. And as they would sin and they would be following other idols, God would judge His people. He would bring a discipline to them. In the book of Hebrews, it says that a good father will discipline his sons. In Proverbs chapter 3, I believe, it says that God, don't, don't look at the discipline as God is hating us, but that God to bring us back into the right way of going. And that's what he was doing in the book of Judges. He would judge the people by bringing foreign nations in to uh, oppress his people until his people finally came to their senses, like the, the prodigal son that we looked at a few weeks ago, and they cried out to God for deliverance. And then he would bring a deliverer, a judge, kind of a together and overthrow the foreign nation, and then the, the land would be at peace again until the cycle started again. You know, God rescues he, he brings deliverance, and then everything is fine, and then you start to go astray again. Sounds, at least in my heart, very familiar. It says, after that, uh, that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, which means this whole generation passed away, another generation grew And this generation did not know the Lord. They neither knew the Lord, nor did they know what He had done for Israel. And then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals, the false gods, and they forsook the Lord out of Egypt, and they followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? And we begin to wonder, has God taken His protection away from our country, our culture, as we
trust in those gods. Let's see how well they can protect you. And so we have brought in all of these gods, these false gods into our culture that we worship. The, the, the God of, uh, of uh, sex. as sacrifices, and so you're killing your babies to appease the God. You, you just see it all through our culture. So the people were doing what was wrong in God's sight, and in that, in that context, Gideon was raised up to bring the people back to God, to overthrow the, the culture that was oppressing them. And Gideon was not a great man at all. In fact, he wondered, God, why me? I don't have a lot of skills. I don't have a lot of training. I didn't go to Bible college. But the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. And, and, and So we go in our strength and God will be with us. That's Gideon. And Gideon is a guy who God is able to do some powerful things with after he stripped him down to all. You get to connect the dots for us. How does this story, how does that connect with what the Gideon International people do and have for 123 years? Yeah, so uh, basically the Gideons uh, chose uh, the name. Uh, there's similar things. Uh, the only difference was Gideon uh, was out to kill the Midianites, mm-hmm. and the Gideons International is out to save the people. Amen. Uh, the Gideons had uh, different odds than uh, Mr. Gideon in the Bible because he had 130,000 Midianites that he was going to conquer. If you figure that out, it was like about 100 and, or 450 to 1. 450 to 1, yeah. But if you think about what the Gideons are up to, we're out to try to reach people for Christ in the world. And there's over uh, four, 7 billion people that live in the world, and there's about 250,000 Gideons. So that makes it about uh, 28,000 <laughs> to 1. Wow. That wow. We're, we're trying to go out into the neighborhoods, into communities, and... Uh, we- in this area that does the work. And you mentioned hotels. Well, that's the itty-bitty part that we do. That's less than 7% of the wow. scriptures that wow. we give. Uh, the majority of the scriptures, about 80%, are going into the hands of young people. Uh, we stand outside the schools on the public sidewalk and present young people with a copy of God's Word, which the police don't like us, uh, the, the teachers don't like us, the principal doesn't like us, and even the parents don't like us sometimes. But it is to stand on a sidewalk and present the gospel to these young people as they exit. And sometimes that's the only scripture that they will have in a home. By, by the way, I, I want to just pause right here. Um, John, we have a, a congregation full of people who are, that they see what's happening in our schools with our young people and they... that are being instilled in kiddos, and, and we wonder what we can do. Well, what, what, I, what I find interesting is there's actually things that we can do. Are you really willing to do them? Because 
two things right here. Right now, we, we have a gentleman here who actually gives out testaments, the Word of God, to kids. On Tuesday nights here at the church uh, between 6 uh, and 7.30, you know that we have a bunch of kids that are in the public school system that are here to learn different values. They are here to learn about the Word of God, just like what you do. And so yeah, instead of saying, oh, it's horrible what's going on in the schools, I'd say if you're upset about what's going on in the schools, why don't you come on Tuesday nights? Why don't you get involved with the Gideons? Because there's actually something you can do. Gideon, well, when Midian, Gideon and Midian, I get it. Uh, when the Midianites were oppressing God's people, every year at harvest time, they would come in and once the Israelites harvest the wheat, harvested the grains, the Midianites would steal all of their work, leaving them almost destitute for the, for the next year. And when we find Gideon, he knew that there was a problem. He knew there was a problem. Everybody knew there was a problem, but Gideon was found in his, in his threshing floor inside. When, when you threshed the, the grain, you wanted to do it outside so that the chaff could blow away and then you could uh, keep the, the, the grain that was good. But he was hiding. He, he knew that there was a, tr- a problem, but he didn't think he could do anything about it. Well, God came up to him and said, greetings, mighty warrior. And he goes, oh, you got the wrong guy. He goes, God says, no, because you on your own can't do it. But you plus me, Gideon, just like you plus me, Joshua, just like you plus me, Moses, just like you plus me, John, we can do it. We can do it. So if there is something out there that you feel is wrong, instead of just complaining about it, maybe God is beginning to stir in your heart to say, what can I do? Let's get out of our threshing floors. So what do, uh, give us some ideas of the things that, uh, that are going on, some of the testimonies uh, of people whose lives have been changed because of a little testament. John? Well, let me, t- let me take you to Africa, in Ghana, Africa, in a small town called the Cape Coast. Uh, I was uh, asked to go there on what we call a blitz, and what a blitz is is that we uh, gather men from all over the world to go to a certain city, and we do what the camp does in a week or two uh, that they take all year to do. Wow. And as we went there, we had over 200,000, and as we went through the week, 53,000, we weren't asked to count the Bibles, we were asked to, uh, to count the hands that went up for Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. And as a result, 53,526 hands went up for Jesus that week. But, But what was amazing in one of the schools on Friday, as I was talking to the children, a man came up behind me and he tapped me on the shoulder and he says, Sir, may may I borrow your pen? And I reached in my pocket and I knew exactly what he was going to do. See, he wanted to sign his name in the back of the Testament to accept Jesus because I gave the gospel message to the young kids. As I went back to him, I said, uh, brother, are you the headmaster of the school? And he goes, no, 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 I'm not the headmaster. Oh, well, that's okay. Well, you've got to be the teacher then. He said, no, I'm not the teacher. And I said, well, sir, why are you here at the school? And he says, well, I'm the chief of the village, and this is one of my schools. And today I Christ. I needed him in my heart. And I, I want you to come to my, my place where I have dignitaries come from other nations and I'd like to have a Bible placed in each room so I could tell them about Jesus. 
It's not often that the, the person who accepts Jesus turns right around and is an evangelist. <laughs> that, that's, I, I did steal your line. Um, that, that's very powerful. Um, how did you specifically get involved in the Gideon ministry? Well, when I first joined, um, I actually joined before my wife, we were married. Uh, I got an invitation because my pastor received a phone call. And he says, I only know one man that's a Christian businessman and professional man that is in good standings with the church. And uh, I thought to myself, uh, I don't know how this could be. Um, You see, I was going through a divorce, raising three children by myself. And uh, I decided that I would go attend this meeting, but not to join, (laughs) to write a check out. To become a, uh, to give them a donation, but as the man start telling all the duties that we can do, go to hotels, go to schools, go to prisons, go to military, go to hospitals, none of that was for me, because I felt like I was a marked man, and I could you know never serve the Lord again because of being a divorced man. Well, it turned out that he said one important thing that grabbed my heart, and what that was, he said. We have people that become secret servicemen for the Lord. Mm. And I said, that's me. I thought, I can go out and do that. And I had never led anybody to the Lord before up to that point. You see, about 95% of people in churches like yours have never, ever led somebody to the Lord. And, uh, well, it turned out that it changed. Do you want me to go on? Oh, yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> well, it turned out that... Um, I went to the internet to the state convention in Ontario, California. There, I met a man by the name of Gary Dunsford. He was doing a lesson on personal witnessing, so I decided to attend. As I went in there, he asked two questions. The first one: How many of you here? And I'll ask you: How many of you here are praying for somebody that needs the Lord in their life? Could I see a hand? Well, the same thing happened, but he asked another question. And the next question: Well, if praying for somebody that needs the Lord Jesus Christ, then give them the Word of God. That convicted me. Because, you see, I had eight people in my Bible that I had wrote in that I had been regularly praying but never said anything to them. I went out to the lobby. I bought a box of testaments, put them in my car, and after the convention, I didn't go home to my wife. I was now married. Years later, I joined in 1990, but I didn't get active until 1993. I went home, not home to my wife. I went home to my dad because I grew up in a family where my mom was a believer and my, mom, my dad wasn't. And I came to my dad. With the only idea of giving him a copy of God's word, I figured God can do the rest. The word says that his word shall not return Amen. void. Amen. And so I gave it to my dad. He said, why are you giving this to me? I said, Dad, because I want you to know the gospel. And I went through the gospel with him. I could see confusion in my dad's eyes. He didn't have a clue. If you talk to people that are not Christians, they don't know the lingo of Christians. Well, I then realized that I wanted to tell my dad that my mom was going to go to heaven someday, and he couldn't go. And my dad absolutely worshipped the ground that my my mom walked on. And he says, well, why can't I go to heaven? I says, because what I told you, Dad, your heart. Well, to make a long story short, a month later, 
went back to my dad's house because he asked me to lead him to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. We got down on our knees, and he prayed the sinner's prayer. He started going to church with my mom. He started reading the Bible on a daily basis. He joined the Sunday school class with my mom. Today, my, I know for a fact that my mom and dad are in heaven with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, what, what a privilege. Yeah, you know, so Gideon's story, real quick, guys. Uh, Gideon said, okay, God, if you're going to do this, then, then uh, I'm, I'm in, but I need a lot of help. So he gathered a lot, thousands of men, thousands of men. And God said, mm, no, uh, that's too many. If any of them are afraid, let them go home. So uh, a great number of them did go home. And now Gideon's looking at a depleted army and going, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. And God goes, there's still too many. And Gideon goes, uh, excuse me? And God says, why don't you take them down to this water to drink and uh, watch how they drink. And if they lap it up uh, like, a, like an animal, dismiss those people and those who cup the water and bring it up to, to, their, to their mouth, almost as if they are on guard looking around to what's going on, those are the ones that you should take. Those were 300 guys. 300 guys against 135,000 Midianites. This is what's cool about God. He says, I don't care about your ability. I care about your availability and your willingness to be used by me. And Gideon was a humble guy. He did not think too highly of himself, and he was willing to trust God, though it scared the living daylights out of him. Believe me, this morning when I decided to put my notes away and not preach from my notes, I understood where Gideon has, was coming from. And God goes, now you're going to understand what it's like to be shaken in your boots when you come up and you present what God wants you to present. And God's been good. And God was good to, to Gideon. The, the plan was simple. They were to take the clay jars, and if you look at the uh, emblem uh, of the uh, Gideon's International, there's a clay jar and a, a, a fire from a torch. They, they were to put their torches into these clay jars and their trumpets at the ready. And they surrounded 100 guys over here, 100 guys over here, 100 guys over here on the high ground looking into this valley where the 135,000 Midianites were sleeping that night. And on the queue, I don't know if they had walkie-talkies, probably not, <laughs> but on the queue, they were to all break their clay pots so that immediately their torches would shine and they were to blow the trumpet. And in doing so, the Midianites would wake up And as they looked around, they saw all of the fires around them, and they heard the trumpets surrounding them, and they believed that they were being attacked, so they began to fight. But Israel wasn't down there. By allowing them to kill one another without... Gideon having to do very much except to obey what God wanted him to do. It was as if Gideon was willing to take a, a, a testament to a child, to give a testament to a father, to put a testament in a room where somebody will read that, contemplating suicide and deciding that there is hope and purpose for their life. Beginning from the Word of God, something very simple, clay pots, cracked pots eventually, right? Would you call yourself a crackpot? 
Yeah. And God's torch, his light shining through, and the blast of his trumpet, which would, would symbolize judgment and the coming of the Lord, there being blown and, and, and people then responding. It says in the, the last part of Judges that thus Midian was subdued before the Israelites and did not raise its head again. Folks, I know that we're frustrated with what's going on in our world today. Wouldn't it be amazing for us to be able to say, and the world was subdued and did not raise its head again? Folks, that's the end of the story, but it takes somebody like Gideon to say, I'm nobody, but with God's power, I can do whatever he wants me to do. That's really the, the, the message of this. Uh, how can we be involved, uh, John, with the, the ministry? Because we used to have a Gideon here in our church, uh, a, a dear saint named Dale Pedersen. Uh, Dale has since gone on to be with, uh, with the Lord, and uh, a great man, great servant, and a wonderful Gideon. Uh, there, there were times that I would receive a card on my birthday from the Pedersen saying, a Bible has been donated on, in your name to somebody. Uh, what a wonderful encouragement that was for me. But now we don't have somebody to champion the, the Gideon's ministry, though our missions team still supports them. So how can we be involved, and what do you need us to do, John? Well, there's several things that um, we ask of the church because the church is the lifeblood of the Gideon's International. We get uh, offerings from the church, and we get men and women from the church. Yeah. And so how do you become a Gideon? A Gideon is a Christian businessman or professional man that uh, would consider joining the ministry. He has to be a member in good standings of a church. So no matter if you say, well, I want to be a Gideon, <laughs> you know, you could be a professional. And, but if you're not, doesn't, don't have the stamp of approval from your pastor uh, you can't be a Gideon. And that's the only way that we can find out that men are walking with the Lord and that they'd like to serve. The other thing is that we have a program called Friends. Mm -hmm. Anybody can join. doesn't have to be a man. could be a woman. Anyone can join. Pastor can join. <laughs> and this program, what it does, you go online, and we have brochures out in the lobby, that you would sign up online and you would get uh, signed up as a friend, and that gives you the ability to order scriptures so that you can go and witness to people in your daily life. Uh, there's another thing called the Life Book that we provide for the youth, and it's for the youth to be trained in a Sunday school class with mm -hmm. a video. They're given the Life Book. It's John and Mark, and they go to the schools, and they witness to their friends, and they bring them back to the church. Wow. And we also have a Gideon app that you can download to your phone, and it's free. And what that does is give you 1,750 languages. If you run into somebody that speaks another language, you can turn it to John 3.16, flip it over to their language, and it talks to you. So uh, these are just a few of the things. If you are interested, I'll be at the table with some of my uh, uh, colleagues from the Gideons and my wife. You've made it very simple. The Gideons have made it very simple for us. Because God has made it simple. The plan of salvation is simple. All it takes is us to yep. 
mold our hearts, break our hearts, and be submissive before him. Um, thank you so much, uh, John, for being here. Um, Monty, uh, Dan, why don't you guys come on up? And um, We sang a song earlier, Take My Life. Take My Life. Here am I, all of me. Take my life, all of me. Um, I want to pray with you. So yeah, so don't, don't get going. And we have this one more time. We've got to go over there. So you've got maybe 15 minutes that you can talk with people, but uh, praise God, uh, your, your friends are here um, and uh, your wife is here so that they can continue on and we'll bring you on over there as well. But would you uh, please pray with me? God, thank you so much for your love and for your care, for your salvation that you have reached out to us in our sin and you have become our Savior. And God, you want to rescue us, deliver us from the power of the enemy. And so God, you ask us to surrender our lives to you, as Gideon did. And though he was not a mighty man, you saw that he could do mighty things through your power. God, I thank you for John, for, for Debbie, and for all of the Gideons that are at work in this world, uh, making a difference taking it seriously, the call to be your disciples that make disciples through your word and through their, the power of the, the gospel and their testimony. May you continue to bless him and the ministry. And Lord, I would pray that you would raise people up here in our congregation who would stand with them as a friend, as, as uh, in people involved in the life book, or maybe even to stand and say, I will be a Gideon as well. So God, you know the people that you uh, could use in, in this ministry. Continue to tug on the hearts of those people so that they might respond to you. God, thank you so much for the power of the gospel to change people's lives and to change our eternal destinies. I thank you that John's dad is waiting for us in heaven. And I thank you that it was the Gideons International that was used in a mighty way to bring that about. Continue to use us, God. Here we are. Take our lives, all of us, because we want to be useful for your kingdom. I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. You know, I love you guys. I love serving as your pastor. John, we love you as well. Thank you for your ministry. Um, we're going to sing and then we will uh, be dismissed.